Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. If you would please, turn to... Turn to Mark chapter 2 for our reading. If you're just joining us on the internet, uh, we welcome you to the Sunday morning 10 o'clock service of Whitestone Christian Fellowship here in upstate New York. It's a crisp, cool, beautiful, sunny fall day up here. Uh, The leaves are red and orange and brown and the pine trees are still green, the evergreens. And it's just uh, an explosion of of color. Uh, And it's lasted this fall longer than usual because we've had some warm days and we've had some cool nights. And we're grateful for the explosion of color. It's amazing the beauty that the Lord hides behind things like chlorophyll in the leaves. Uh, Our reading this morning is from Mark chapter 2. We'll read verses 18 to 22 together, and then we'll be moving on to our second half of Ephesians chapter 2 and looking at verses 11 to 22. I entitled it, Before and Ever After. But Mark has something to say to us here uh, in verses 18 to 22. So please read with me. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they came and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples do not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that build up taketh away from the old, and the rend is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. There's a new message that Jesus is is presenting to the world, and Paul and the apostles and disciples are sharing it with everybody they know, everybody they see, everyone who crosses paths with them. The old system, and there were two systems. There was the pagan system with the worship of false gods, trees, stones, monoliths, all kinds of different things, little amulets that they carried in their pockets. Those were their gods, and they worshiped them. They revered them, and they looked to them to be their protection, and their saviors. And then there was the the law of the Jews. 
Salvation for them was a system of good works. And even as Jesus said, your lips are near, but your heart is far from me. They revered God, but they didn't make God part of their everyday life. And to know God is to fall in love with Him. To know Jesus is to fall in love with Him. Because it's really all about relationship. It's not about good works. And the Scriptures are, are clear about it. And even as we just finished this this passage in reading, verse 22 said, No man puts new wine into old bottles. The bottles have already been stressed. And the glass has already been used for the original bottle of wine, for the original wine that was in them. So no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. If you're going to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're going to understand what the message of salvation is about, then you need to put all of the old things behind, whether it's a pagan ritual, a pagan god, or if it's the old law that you had to adhere to. And God is the God of the Old Testament and the New, but under the Old Testament, the law became a God also. Things that you had to do to please God. Jesus comes along and says, but I love you. I want to have relationship with you. I want, to, I want you to know me as well as I know you. And we look, at, we look at the friends that we have. And we look at the family that we have. And we know them the best. And they know us the best of anybody else. And there's relationship there. And there's joy. And there's love. And there's forgiveness in the relationship. It's automatically built in because of the love. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell the people in all of his messages, in the messages of the gospel and in the messages that the, that the apostles and the disciples are, are preaching to people. <clears throat> this is a new message. And you need to purge yourself of your old beliefs. But that was rather difficult. The cultures that we are introduced to through Paul's letters are pagan. Some of them are Jewish. Some of them are a combination of Jewish, Jewish mysticism and Judaism itself. Jesus says, it's me, it's only me. Only I can bring you into the presence of the Father. 
He said in the Gospel of John, no man comes to the Father except by me. And so as we look at Ephesians, we're looking at, we're looking at verse 11 here this morning, but we're gonna, I'm going to just go back a verse <coughs> to give some, continu- uh, some continuity to the, to the text from where we left off last week. Verse 10 says, we are his workmanship. He's changing us. When sculptors see a block of marble, they see possibilities. But in order to bring out what they see in that block of marble, they have to chip away all of the extraneous stuff that is not part of their vision. And when we think of Michelangelo and the beautiful sculptures and figures that he created, he saw those inside those blocks of marble. And he worked and he worked. And God is working on us, chipping away at all of the extraneous stuff and all of the stuff that, that kind of gets in the way of what he wants us to be. And he does that through trial and error. He does that through trials in particular, hardships, tough times, worry, and things that we think are important. He says, no, you don't need that. And he starts chipping it away, chipping away at it to bring out the new man in us, the one that is renewed in the knowledge of Him rather than the knowledge of our hobbies and our other little gods and our lesser gods. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're created for good works. We're created for service. And who do we serve if it's not the master creator? That's the important thing of Jesus' message. The old has to go. To take off the old man and to put on the new man. That's vital. Because if there are old idols in our hearts, then that's taking up space that Jesus desires to inhabit. He takes up an abiding presence in our hearts. And the old things have to go in order so that our hearts and our minds can be filled with Jesus. And he tells them here in verse 11 of Ephesians 2, he said, Wherefore, remember that you, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. Interesting. 
The Gentiles were, were referred to as the uncircumcised ones in the Old Testament. And they were called that by the ones who were circumcised by the works of human hands. God says, I don't want your faith to be a work of somebody else's hands. I don't want that reflection. I want you to be new creatures. In Second, Second Corinthians, Jesus talks about how the, Paul talks about through the whole power of the Holy Spirit, he talks about the wonderful works of God and he reminds us 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 17. Wherefore, if any man be in Christ, that's a question for each of us. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And having given unto uh, given to us the ministry of reconciliation, he's got something for us to do. But we have to be new creatures in Christ. We have to find ourselves in Christ. We have to understand that He works in us and works upon us, and He indwells our hearts working through us. So he says, now, do you remember what life was like? There's a, there's a commercial on right now for leaf filter gutter guards. <laughs> and there's a pun in there for gutter guards. But the interviewer is talking to a couple that just had leaf filters put on their house. And he says, he asks them, he says, what was life like before you had leaf guard on your gutters? Well, it was awful. Those gutters, they did so much damage to my house. Well, when you're rolling around in the gutter, there's a lot of damage done to our lives. But boy, those leaf guards can protect your dwelling place. Jesus protects your heart and he keeps you from having a lot of debris built up in your life that can damage and harm. I'm always amazed by the analogies that you can draw from television commercials. It's humorous but it applies, and it makes it come to life. So remember what you were like before in time past. You were just Gentiles. <clears throat> you were the uncircumcision. And that's what the circumcision called you, and they had that work done by the rabbi's hands. That's a human work. And he says here in continuing, he says, 
that at that time you were without Christ. Now, what do we know about Paul's ministry? We know that when Paul went around teaching in the churches of Asia or in Greece or any place else he went, he encountered people that were without Christ. And many of the places he went to, he started to teach in the Jewish synagogues. Because when people heard that he was a Jew, they would accept him. In time past, you were without Christ, whether you were Jewish or whether you were pagan. In time past, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh or near <laughs> by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ makes every bit of difference to us in the world. It doesn't matter what God you used to worship. It doesn't matter what you prioritized in your life. As we sang, He's our all. He's the best. And to put anybody else on that pedestal would be a form of idolatry. To put anything else on that pedestal is idolatrous. So in time past, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. The commonwealth that Israel held, however tenuously, was faith in Jehovah God. And now, they have rejected they have rejected the chief cornerstone of the new man, the new belief system, the new temple that was to be built, the temple of our bodies, a place of God's abiding presence. So we were made nigh by the blood of Jesus, for He is our peace, who hath made both one, whatever you were before, if you were a Jew, if you were a worshiper of Aphrodite, if you were a worshiper of any of the Roman gods, whatever God you worshiped, that's gone because if you're truly a believer in Jesus Christ, those gods have been purged from your heart. And when we think about all of the places that Paul traveled, he ran into believers of all kinds of things. He ran into the pagan worshipers even of Ephesus. He went back and he wrote a letter to them and corrected them because they were falling back into those old habits. They were falling back into their comfort zone because they weren't hearing from God. 
He is our peace. He hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. In this case, the middle wall of partition was, oh, well, you're, you're of the uncircumcised. Well, you're of the circumcision. And Jesus says it doesn't matter. Both of those are human works, human choices to be circumcised or to not be circumcised. It doesn't make a hill of beans. Are you finding yourself in Christ is the question. And if you're finding yourself and your life hid in Christ, you will find other Christians that are like-minded. Other believers who love the Lord like you do. And other places to worship where you can come together in a common belief. He is our peace. He hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Whatever separated us before, we have common ground in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the unity of the Holy Spirit. Here's the unity of the body of Christ. Here's the unity of our God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in Himself of two one new man, and so making peace. This is, this is dynamic. This is something that nobody had heard of before. The believers of one thing and believers of another thing can come together in a, a new belief system, a new worship of the living God, the one who died on the cross for us, paid the penalty for our sins, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, his blood sprinkled on us to make us new people, new creatures. The guilt is gone. The sin is forgiven. And we find the blood of Christ we hold in common with every other believer. Because he made us new. <clears throat> that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. He got rid of the <coughs> the old belief <coughs> the old belief system. And it so permeated people's lives that it was a comfort zone to them. And when things got difficult, they would fall back into those old methods, those old worship habits. And, you know, a lot of people come, come to Christ and become Christians because they think all their problems are going to be solved. No, all of our problems are now targeted by, by the enemy of the cross, by Satan himself. 
It doesn't save us from the trials and the tribulations. It makes us targets. Because Satan doesn't want those partitions of enmity broken down. He himself is the epitome of a partition that keeps us from the Lord Jesus Christ, keeps us from eternal life. Jesus came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which were nigh. There were Jews, there were Gentiles in those crowds as Jesus toured around the cities of the Galilee. As he ministered to the Syrophoenician woman, as he ministered to Roman guards and sentries and centurions, as he ministered, he broke down those walls of difference those walls of enmity. He preached peace unto you which were afar off and to them which were nigh. Gentiles and Jews, pagan worshipers, idolaters, they all heard the same message. For through him, through him we both have we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Here's mention of the entire Trinity. Through Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access by the Holy Spirit unto the Father. People will say, well, there's, there's no mention of the word Trinity in the Scriptures. We won't find the word Trinity there. And yet, here's the Trinity all present in verse 18 and in many other verses in the New Testament as well, as well as the Old Testament. Now, who has trouble with the, the Ephesian letter? Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They don't believe in a trinity, a triune God. Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe in a triune God. The doctrine of the trinity for them is a wall of enmity. And until they receive Jesus Christ, that wall cannot come down until they allow the blood of Jesus Christ to sprinkle their lives the enmity and that wall will remain there are whole ministries that minister to Jehovah's Witnesses there are individuals that minister to the witnesses there's whole ministries dedicated to ministering to Mormons If you can identify a religion or a faith system that offers salvation and it's not based in Jesus Christ alone, you will find 
ministries that target those those levels of belief and those concepts of their faith. Because there is nothing more important than the one who is our all and who is our best. He came and preached peace unto you which were afar off and to them which were nigh. But after Paul went through a city and a village and was preaching the Lord Jesus to some of them, what happened? There were a group of Judaizers that came in behind him. In the letter to the Galatians, Paul writes to the, to the people that he had just ministered to and established the churches with in the region of Galatia. He says in, in Galatians 1.6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and unto another gospel. Paul would go into a city and he would pick out a Jewish temple to begin to teach in. And then the Judaizers would come along and they would try to place those new believers back onto the law which was nailed up on the cross and provided freedom from the old the old bottle. This isn't a patch. This is new. New material for all of these people. And it really didn't it really didn't make a whole lot of difference which city he went to. In Romans 6:14 He says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. A change has taken place in the Romans that have accepted Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, (coughs) nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And pay attention to the tenses here. And such were some of you. 
but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The same changes happened in Corinth. For the Galatians in chapter 5, He says, Stand fast, therefore, in verse 1, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are. If you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. But there's other areas. If we go across to verse 22 in chapter 5, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. A change has taken place in the church of the Galatians. We're reading. We're reading of what's going on in Ephesians. And in Ephesians 5, Paul writes to them in verse 6 to 8. Not with eye service as members, as man pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that so what whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And you masters. Do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening. Knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with God. The people in Ephesus had had changed to serving God and not their old idols. And whatever we do, we will receive from God again. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 8 to 10, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything for they themselves show of us the manner what manner of entering in we had unto you how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven 
whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. The Thessalonian church changed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The testimony of the apostles. And even John in the book of Revelation in chapter 21, verses 7 and 8, he reminds us, and it's a bit of a warning, but it's a bit of encouragement at the same time. He says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers, the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It's the lake of fire that's spoken of in the previous chapter of Revelation. There is a consistency in the Scriptures. And Paul is making sure that he points out to the widest and broadest number of people that it doesn't matter what you used to worship, it has to go. It doesn't matter if you worshiped the good works of the Jews who made sure they went up to Jerusalem three times a year. You know, as I was studying, I was thinking that the Apostle Paul was of Tarsus, which is way up on the southern coastal region of Asia Minor. And just off the coast lays the island of Cyprus. But his city was up on that southern coast of Turkey. It makes me wonder, how did he get down to Jerusalem and become one of the chief Pharisees of the main temple? Well, he went up there three times a year. He made the trip. God was drawing him. And even though there were hardships at time, the travel when he was younger, but then when he relocated to Jerusalem itself. If you've ever relocated from one city to another, you know that it's unbelievably difficult to establish yourself in a new city. But there was something waiting for him in Jerusalem and that was the call of God. And even though he followed the Old Testament law, even though he was perfect under the Old Testament law, he was not perfect in Christ. Those things had to be purged from him. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then afterwards, he spent two years on the backside of the Arabian desert, alone by himself with the Holy Spirit. He was never alone, because where the Holy Spirit is, is also the knowledge of the Son and the closeness of the Father. Paul spent two years relearning all of the scriptures that he had that he had memorized, that he had followed. 
And the Holy Spirit applied them in a new way to his life. And the old things were passed away, and behold, everything was become new. And he realized how wrong he had been his whole life, and certainly when he was persecuting the church. It's no wonder that his, his letters are so zealous to believers now. Get rid of the old things. Just Jesus alone is enough for your salvation. He can get you through anything. And those, those times when it's difficult, when hardships take place, He's chipping away at the old extraneous pieces that don't belong in the image of Christ to which we're being transformed into. <laughs> I was listening to a commentator the other night and he said when he, when he finally moved from one church denomination and went into being an independent pastor, he said, Times were slim. They were tough. He said, my wife and I, he said, we emptied our pockets and she her purse. <coughs> and they needed food for dinner even that night and they had 37 cents between them. And we thought, okay, well, let's go to this store and we'll buy 37 cents worth of whatever we found. And this was back in the 1980s. And they found a, a can of soup and a few carrots. And they were satisfied with that. <laughs> they added up what the price of the soup was and the carrots. They got up to the cashier and it was exactly 37 cents. And they were putting their purchases in the bag and the store owner came up to them and said that's all you guys are going to have to eat this week said, well that's all we had money for he said you know I've been meaning to do something for you guys for a while and so he gave them a $10 gift card, gift card to spend in the store They were completely and totally taken off guard. And while they were walking away from the cashier's register and from the store owner, the husband, the minister, he says to his wife, let's go back to the meat counter again. God supplies all our needs to keep us healthy, to do whatever it is he needs to do to keep us going and to keep us moving in the right direction and to keep us encouraged in the faith. Even in the midst of hard times, there is encouragement and there's hope. But you have to find yourself in Christ for the, those kinds of blessings to come our way. Paul's message is incredible here. 
In verse 19, he says, Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, those true believers. Those true believers that had the right idea of the Old Testament passages. The household of God. And you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We know that the apostles all spoke of Jesus. But when the prophets were speaking, they were all also pointing forward to the future for the redemption of mankind, not only to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. So the apostles and the prophets all spoke of the time when Jesus would come. You're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. No partitions of enmity. All grown together. In whom you also are builded up together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. We are the temple of God. He resides in our bodies, in our hearts. He resides in our minds. He resides in our good works. But in order for all of those things to take place, He has to reside in our hearts first. He has to reside in our hearts first. To whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. It's Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to testify of God and of Jesus Christ and point us in that right direction. He never speaks of Himself. He speaks only of Jesus and the unity of the body of Christ. Heavenly Father, There is so much more that we could teach on this short little passage. The unity of the Spirit. The unity of the body of Christ. Being fitly put together. And even as we read, that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. In Psalm 118, verses 20 to 23, we read that Jesus was rejected by those that were waiting for Him and hoping for Him. Father, don't let us reject the very One that can save us and bring us to Your side. Lord, strengthen us in our knowledge of the Word. Give us this time this week to read ahead, to see where Paul's going with all of this with the Ephesian church and how it fits into that, that habit that he had 
of teaching doctrine and offering reproof, offering correction, and then the instruction in righteousness. Lord, we bless your name. This is just a short, a short touch of what can happen through the Lord Jesus Christ. But it can happen to each one of us if we look to the Lord for all of our needs, all of our deeds, and all of our purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Thy way may be known upon earth, Thy saving health among all nations. God bless you all. Have a great week in the Lord. Go back and read all of the chapter. And then read on to chapter 3. It's just an amazing continuation as Paul continues to minister to those that don't necessarily know him. In Jesus' name, be blessed this week. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. To access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to whitestonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to Him.